Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Broke Watch Snobs. You have made it to episode 158, right? Did I get it right? 158. <sighs> 158. You heard it here, folks. 158. This is going to be a really, really cool one. But first, I have to check in. Michael, how are you doing? How is you doing? How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Does, um, does the year still feel new? Uh, yeah, it does actually. Really? Uh, so I guess this was like the first complete work week that I had. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It was surprisingly nice. I'm uh, cautious. That, yeah, that, that luster will fade away pretty soon. You don't, don't, don't get too comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty cautious, but, uh, how about you? It was okay. I guess it was the f- first full work week for me as well. I didn't even, I guess I didn't even like, like, you know, realize it, but, um, but yeah, no, otherwise everything is cool. I'm still in the honeymoon phase with the, uh, Orient Star, Orient Star Diver. So nice. very much enjoying that, but, you know, getting definitely further in my research journey of trying to figure out other, other interesting Orient models to, uh, to pick up. But here, this episode is going to be a lot of fun, actually. This is, uh, this is episode 158. So we have a lot of really cool reoccurring segments that we do here on Two Broke Watch Knobs. We have, like, brands we know nothing about. Um, there's that one we started last week's uh, uh, celebrity watch collections, Cash or Passion, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah. we're always adding you know, uh, new segments. But today we were actually returning. I think this is our OG segment. I think this is the first TVWS uh, episode, episode <laughs> segment we ever did. Yeah, so this is actually really cool. We are returning. That's right. We are returning to our affordable vintage watch segment. Really, really cool. Um, this is part eight. So in the past, affordable vintage watches, um, you know, we've had seven of these. This is the eighth one. They've been themed in the past. And so Michael will choose three watches. I'll choose three watches um, that are vintage, but that are also affordable. Um, I think in the past we've done affordable vintage dive watches. Uh, we've done affordable vintage digital watches, which is really fucking cool. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, that was a lot of really fun. That, that was a lot of fun episode. Um, exotic materials. We've done affordable vintage Watches like so. It's on oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but this week's going to be pretty cool. This week we're doing things a bit differently. Uh, we have dubbed this "Affordable Vintage Watches Part Eight Dealers Choice." So, in essence, what that means is Michael chose his own category, affordable affordable vintage watches. I chose my own category of affordable vintage watches. Um, I chose three pieces. I hope you chose three pieces. Should we tell people what our categories are? Yeah, at the top so, of, at the top of the hour. Yeah, yeah. So just because it's been um, sort of oh, on my mind man. lately, I've and it was quite challenging. If if you consider the the spirit of this segment, um, I chose uh, issued military watches. Um, so kind of stuff that you can find, which was uh, not necessarily produced for oh, well, general okay. consumption. So actually issued. Yeah, yeah, or you know, with the intent of being issued. Um, so that that's that's my category, and it was not easy. <laughs> yeah, so 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 not like not like you know, ublows with like the UN, the United States Air Force flag on the dial. Like, oh, this is what the air pilots wear. No, no it's not. Yeah, def- I def- doubt def- that watch <laughs> exists, guys. So before you start fucking like flinging your angry emails at me from your <laughs> from your orological trebuchets, I don't think that watch really exists. 
Um, so your so affordable vintage watch segment for dealer's choice is actual issued vintage military pieces. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, for me on my end, uh, I chose. I thought this was a lot of fun actually. So basically, my affordable vintage watch segment um, is. I'm not really sure how to call this, but before they were big, before they yeah. were well known. So basically, these are affordable vintage watch options from some well known uh, brands before they were the well known brand names that we know. And I'm just, I'm just gonna tell you guys now, they're all Soviet watches. If you know anything <laughs> about me, that is the only, that's the only like vintage watch market. I'm even like, like tenuously familiar with so i will tell you now they are all soviet watches so if you enjoy soviet watch talk you will enjoy my segment if you enjoy if you don't enjoy soviet watch talk you'll have fun on michael's segment it's perfect it's like it's, this is like this is like the lucky charms of tbws episodes where if you don't like marshmallows you can just eat the crispies but if you don't like the crispies you can eat the marshmallows and i'll let you guys decide who's the crispies and who's the marshmallows between between michael and myself do you like you lucky charms this, can't get this anywhere else that's what uh, i'm saying man do i love i love lucky charms right i don't understand it it's such an interesting like like convergence of textures with like cardboard but also like sugar <laughs> And there's, it's very visual as well. It's really, really cool. It is probably one of the finer cereals I've ever indulged in. They they tried releasing. I don't think I don't think they do it anymore. But I think they, for a short period of time, came out with a version where it was just the marshmallows. Oh my You're god, I remember that. Yeah, that's never gonna work. That's like me just eating the bag think, of chocolate chips. I think chips. even kids were like, "Mom, this isn't good for me." <laughs> Mom, like, we gotta set some boundaries, mom. <laughs> mom, my endocrine system is going into failure. Like, I don't know if this is. Uh, I'm no doctor, ma. You know what I mean? But I'm going uh, into pancreatic collapse over here. <laughs> I went from healthy to having pancreatic cancer overnight. Come on, ma. You know? Oh, boy. Oh, man. I was trying to think of a Pavarotti joke, which is incredibly inappropriate because um, he's the only person I could think of. And I know there's plenty of them, but he's the only person I can think of that was afflicted with pancreatic cancer. May he rest in Reese's Pieces, Pavarotti, wherever he is. Uh, but here, this is going to be... That's right, I said rest in Reese's Pieces. Um, I don't know if they even make that candy anymore. We're way off fucking top. Listen, guys. Lucky Charms. If you haven't tried them, try them. That's the headline. Right? Right. <laughs> that was the sound of Michael shaking his head to saying, I should I should have been podcast partners with Greg Bedrosian. <laughs> we could have talked about Speedmasters. We could have talked about cool stuff. Now I'm sitting here talking about cereals with a fucking knucklehead. No, man. You can't get this anywhere else. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> God damn it. Let's get back on topic. Let's do this. But yeah, two book wash knobs, four events watches part eight, dealer's fucking choice. Really, really cool. But first, we have to honor tradition. One of the few traditions we have on this show. Um, let's do a wrist check, man. You, I already told you guys what I was wearing. I can talk about it more, but I want to hear. I want to hear what you're wearing, Michael, because I think you're wearing something pretty special. I mean, I hope it's special. Yeah. Um. Uh. This week was a good mail week. Um. Got some stuff in the mail. M A I L or M A L E. M A I L. Ah, very good. Yes, continue. Good, good mail. <laughs> mail week. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, this one, this one came in. I think on friday um okay. i'm wearing the notice duality oh um, very cool so this this one is in just for some 
for a brief moment uh, and it's the duality with the internal rotating dive bezel so um, and it's with the chasm black dial so this one um, is unfortunately sold out uh, the notice guys have been like selling out of everything they've yeah. been making lately by the way um, so basically the duality is one of their more recent releases it's their first dual crown model uh, and it comes in chasm black or unity white and that internal rotating bezel which you control with one of the crowns uh, you can either get a dive scale or a 12-hour scale um, can I, I ask have the, can I ask the stereotypical or logical neckbeard question sure does the crown for the rotating bezel screw down it does Oh shit, there you go. All right. Yeah, so these are both screw down crowns. I was preparing to go full comic book guy. Worst crown ever, but like, oh, that screws <laughs> down. Cool. Rock and roll, man. Is this your first dual crown interior rotating bezel diver? Because I feel like we talked about this a while back. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually, I stay away from that whole like compressor case looking thing with dual crowns. Mm -hmm. um, it's just never really been something that I, that I go for. Um, but so they came out with this, and then they came out with the sector, uh, which was their most most recent release. Yes, I haven't I haven't seen the sector. I have the duality here, and I have it next to my contrail. Okay. Um, I think the duality is the best watch that they've made. Very cool. <laughs> um, just just in my you know couple days with it, uh, the way the way that it's designed. This bubble crystal coming over this um, like sloping internal bezel, and then you go down deeper, and it's a sandwich dial. There's just so much going on, uh, and it's like a little world under under this dial. Um, there's loom on on both of the crowns. Cool. So there's there's a notice logo signed into one crown, and then on the other crown you have the duality emblem, which looks like an eclipsing moon almost. Okay um so let's let's just look at some of the specs here um it's a 40 millimeter case width 13 millimeters thick 48 lug to lug and 20 millimeter lug width mm. uh, i have it on the stainless steel bracelet which is actually a little bit it's not as beefy as the bracelet that came on my contrail okay um Clasp is pretty standard for notice, uh, and we have 300 meters water resistance. There you go. And it's a Miyota 9015. Okay, super cool, super cool. So the these ones are sold out? They're sold out, and it kind of bums me out because I... I like the Contrail still, but I had to take it off the bracelet. Because the whole package was just a little bit too chunky for me. Uh, and just looking at the lugs side by side, I have both watches just like in the palm of my hand right now. Mm. And it looks like what they did with the duality, they took the lugs and they really slimmed them down. Like super, super slim lugs. Um, oh, while I see the contrail is, While the contrail is, I think, maybe 39 or 40 almost, the duality feels a little more compact because of those slim lugs you can really tell that each and every line was well thought out wow i think i think this is like their 
their greatest hit. So uh, no surprise that they're all sold out. The crystal's beautiful. Um, it's got this like big dome effect, uh, but it's not like overly vintagey or boxy or anything. Right. Are you um, are you familiar? With, are you familiar with Chris Rock, the comedian? Yeah. Have you ever heard any of his bits? Mm, it's probably been a while. So I'm pretty sure there's a Chris Rock joke. So Chris Rock was talking about Krispy Kreme and the fact that Krispy Kreme is so delicious because, you know, they probably put crack in, in, in Krispy Kreme. Are you familiar with Krispy Kreme donuts? Yeah, it's been a while. Well, but yeah. Well, when you did eat them, they were good, right? Oh, so good. Yeah, so Chris Rock's, I'm pretty sure, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong, I'm getting Kimmy's mixed up, but I'm pretty sure Chris Rock's theory is that Krispy Kreme is so good because they put crack in there. Do you think the notice guys are putting crack in their watches? It's it's a possibility. <laughs> These what? things are flying off the shelves, man. They they're just, they, yeah, they, 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 they do consistently do pretty well. Um, I made a comment when the duality came out that I was afraid the notice, the uh, the hallmarks of notice design are usually, you know, very. They're they're not very loud designs. They're very like firm and bold in presentation, but not like ostentatious. They're very they're very straightforward, and you can recognize a notice design from like across the room, everything like that. I made yeah. a comment when the duality came out that like I don't know how much longer they can iterate on this design language because at a certain point, when you deal with a design language that's minimal and straightforward by nature, it can become tired. Um, I made that comment when the duality came out, but then the sector came out uh, and totally, you know, disregarded or, 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 or like, what's the what's the word? Um, basically, just nullified what I made with the comment I made before because I don't think the sector fits into any previous design aesthetic that the notice models have been in, and so um, I made that comment when the duality came out. I'm now no longer, you know, uh, worried about that at all. I know you haven't hung out with the sector, but Greg Bedrosian, senior contributor over here at TBWS, he spent some time with it um, at Windup last year in New York, and he was totally blown away by it. Hmm. Yeah, even seeing, even seeing the contrail next to the duality, I'm noticing these, like, little themes carrying between both of the watches like the shapes of the indices are pretty similar yep. um just what they decide to do with the hands the lines are always kind of related to each other mm -hmm. between a lot of uh, notice watches and yeah that sector is totally something else it's totally something else which i thought was mm -hmm. super smart and by the way this is like a little psa um the the contrail stainless steel that i have is fantastic watch um but for a while, I felt that the whole package with the bracelet was just like, I don't know, it was all just a little bit too chunky for me. Yeah. Um, to the point where I, I was actually thinking about selling the watch. But, quick little PSA, I put this on a Barton silicone strap. So just um, that company Barton that I think Notice even collaborated with uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. So these are these silicon quick release spring bar straps, um, and oh my god, it's it's just like I've I've fallen in love with the watch all over again. Nice. Um, so if you if you have a notice, check out Barton straps because uh, those are two two brands that go really well together. Nice. That's so cool, man. So how long how long do you have uh, how long are you spending with the duality? Um, I don't, I don't know. I usually just like 
keep it until they ask for it back. <laughs> so it depends. I, I think this came from another, like a YouTuber probably. Um, so this one's, this one's making the rounds, I'm sure. Uh, so I'm hoping to photograph it this week. Um, some brands give you like a hard date. Um, some brands don't, some brands forget that they send you a watch. Um, we don't like keep actually, we don't keep a lot anymore really um, i try not to some brands call you every other day um uh, looking at you tutor um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's what i'm wearing and it's fucking fantastic cool. uh, i can't wait actually on the notice website they'll tell you so let me see if i go to duality uh estimated restock is late march 2020 and then for the contrail the contrail will return in 2020. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what I'm wearing. And you still got that Orient dive watch? Yeah, man. So my wrist check, I'm still wearing my new, still new. I mean, it feels feels new. It feels really cool. I'm still wearing my new Orient Star uh, dive watch. So Orient Star did a release of um, some divers slash sports, what they're calling sports uh, watches. Um, and the difference is, I, I figured, I finally figured out the difference. There's, there's, there's two Orient Star sort of divers, quote unquote, watches they released. There was the actual divers watches, which say diver on the dial because they're cost. Um, pretty sure they're cost certified. That's that because that's why they say divers on the dial. Cost or or the ISO? Oh, ISO. No, you're right. ISO. I apologize. All this shit's meaningless to me. I don't know anything about watches. All right. Um, and it's ISO, so it says divers on it and all that bullshit because um, I think they're 300 meters. But these sports, quote-unquote sports watches, uh, with the open heart and exhibition case back, these things are 200 meters or maybe only 100 meters? Hmm. It says the 20 bar. That's 200 meters. Yeah. So they don't say divers on them. That's enough. I think 200 is the, the minimum. Listen, if it's enough for me to be fucking elbow deep in my stock pot to clean it in my sink, it's fucking, it's fine, man. Dude, it's, 100 meters is like 390 something feet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure your, your eyeballs come out of your for, fucking the ears. The max for recreational diving is 40 meters. Yeah. like And even then you're like, you're pushing it. I love, uh, you had a quote a long time ago, like kind of like trying to assuage the, uh, water resistance nerds and you were just like 100 meters if it's good enough for fucking Jacques Cousteau all right <laughs> that's right it's good yeah. enough for you <laughs> I thought that was great yeah. oh man but yeah still wearing the orange star I love it I had a really fun photo up on the feed last week um I took it in front of like an orange star uh, catalog and everything like that my my sort of never-ending journey with this watch is trying to figure out some way to capture the dial in a photograph to share with all of you people, I, I think I've gotten pretty close, but I still haven't really hit it, hit the nail on the head. I'm very excited for you, Michael, to see this watch in person so you can just kind of get an idea um, of, of it. But yeah, so far, I'm incredibly happy. Uh, I'm super happy I took a, a risk on it and I'm jazzed to get more Orient Star pieces um, in, in the future. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Right on, man. So here, let's do this. Let me just cross things off of my list here we did the intro we've just com completed the wrist check watch watch look at news look at, look at us staying us. on topic yeah well I, mean, well I didn't i i you know i we did lose about you know a good chunk of airtime me talking about you know lucky charms i'm watching the reviews pour in <laughs> they never stay on topic let's do another fucking show guys all right <laughs>
listen to another fucking show, get bored, and then come crawling back to Mike and Kaz. All right. We should just just to give people an idea. Uh, we should do a full NPR style episode. We should be. I, you should. I, I was. I was thinking about pitching it to you. I, I was like looking for royalty free like coffee house jazz music. <laughs> One day, but we can't. Like we can't tell people. It's just gonna come. Gonna come out of the blue. One hundred percent hardest episode to like record to be in those voices for an hour and a half. So you're oh, yeah. you'll don your Alan Good Shepherd persona, and I'll don my Herman Sher- Herbert Sherman Herman Sherberts. I always forget. I, I it's. It's Herbert Sherbert. It's Herbert Sherbert. <laughs> Herman Sherbert. Herman or Herbert. Herbert Sherbert. Herbert Sherbert. Herbert oh, yeah. Sherbert. Yeah. I don't know. I might have to double check that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you just said Stephen Prennell. Did I? <laughs> Telling you, man. We can do it. I think we can do a full NPR episode. Hey, everyone. This is this is Herman Sherbert here with my good friend and fellow fellow orological connoisseur, Alan Good Shepherd. Alan, say hi to the nice people at home. <laughs> you can't we'll laugh you, you got no laughing you don't laugh man oh no no we can't laugh at all in that episode all right you guys gotta only chuckle you can only <laughs> you, dude. there you go <clears throat> fucking dust there's dust everywhere that's probably um a long time ago i was down at the seiko boutique i was hanging out with um with joe kirk when joe kirk was still there he's in new york now and uh, he and I were talking about wash photography, and he's talking about all the wash photography that he's done. And he's just like, and uh, and he's just. I remember his favorite quote. He's like, "Yeah, man, no matter how hard you work, there's always dust." <laughs> <laughs> so every time I see dust, I'm like, "God damn, Joe was right. Every, there's always there's always dust. No matter how hard you work, cleaning your fucking crystals, polishing your lugs, or your interhorns, as Henry." Uh, our new TBWS contributor, Henry, discovered. Um, so let's talk about some cool stuff that's on the TBWS website right now. Um, there's a, a so huge shout out to our new uh, TBWS contributor who just joined the team. Uh, Henry, you guys probably know him on Instagram as uh, Dials and Vinyl. I, I, or yeah, di- yeah dial, Dials and Vinyl. But um, the, Henry, I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name. I'm going to give it a shot. Margano? 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 Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty right. Sounds pretty That's right, pretty eh? Uh, really, really cool stuff. His first piece is up. It's a pressed right up on this new Oris Aquas Lake Baikal LE model. Um, it's like a, it's another it's another Oris Aquas. Uh, they made it to commemorate the destruction of some kind of lake or something. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'm being an ass. I'm, the I'm, lake I'm, was I'm, destroyed. I, the lake was. Dis- I'm, I'm intentionally being a piece <laughs> of shit. It's a beautiful watch. It's a cool watch, and they 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 made it to like help preserve this lake or something like that. But go check it out. Henry's piece is really really cool. It's a solid write up, and the actual watch itself is cool looking. In addition to that, um, do you want to talk about this fucking Omega thing? Because I feel like you're more qualified of the two of us to be sp- to be talking about the, this Omega thing. Yeah, I, I mean, so. This is kind of something that we were waiting for since the debut of the the new three two one caliber, the three twenty one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, kind of. I think they waited for a Tuesday uh, to, you know, do it. Hashtag um, Speedy Tuesday. Speedy Tuesday. Speedy Tuesday. <laughs> Good for them. Um, <laughs> and we finally now have a, uh, you know, a stainless steel speedmaster kind of 
one that has the working man's look and vibe uh but not necessarily not the price not, <laughs> not the, the working price. man for 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 the for the price of a fucking new automobile you too yeah. <laughs> okay, so, they, so they, teased, they, they teased it with the um i think they did something in, in gold which was beautiful with that 321 the first the, the um, first time the first watch that came out with the movement yeah, and then yeah. I think they did one in platinum, which was even crazy. It was platinum with these like meteorite subdials. That's going to be a really collectible watch, by the way. Um, and now we have a sub forty millimeter Speedmaster. Uh, I think it's kind of meant to look like the Ed White uh, variant, the one that he wore on his uh, spacewalks. Straight lugs or flat lugs, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, I think it has the. Um, I should just open the article instead of saying I think, because uh, I, you know, I. This is one of those things where you look at it and you're like, eh. and you see the price and you never go back. <laughs> exactly. That's that's literally what's that's that's uh that's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. So uh, ch- uh, check out the piece we have on our site from see, this is uh, good. Greg Bedrosian. Really, really cool. Because I, I just came really close to saying that it has the alpha hands, but it doesn't. Uh, this no, has like not. the hands that you see on the professional. So, um, everything here is really, really good. Uh, there's no denying that. Yeah, I am a little weird about the ceramic bezel, but I totally understand if you're if you're uh, like I did not realize it was ceramic. If you're if you're hitting 14k, uh, I don't I don't know if an aluminum bezel is gonna cut it <laughs> for some customers. Um, Honestly, no I'd be crown, fine. If, no I'd be fine. If, uh, it doesn't look like it. I'd be fine if the bezel was aluminum, and if it wasn't, how much is this watch? It's uh, fourteen thousand dollars. One hundo. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, it's not cheap. No, <laughs> it's not cheap. But it's got uh, it's all a, your. I'm oh, sorry. It's it's a beautiful watch, and the most important thing is that it's not limited. So it's not limited. That's true. We talked. I think it was the last episode about the recent Rolex price increases and how the Daytona finally broke thirteen k. Yeah. Um, MSRP, not that it matters. Uh, <laughs> this this Omega is kind of like competing head to head with the Daytona now, but it really makes you like. My my first question was, you know, is this release gonna make Rolex sweat in any way? No, uh, I don't think I so. I don't think so, man. But I would love to see Omega. If these things do end up flying off the shelves. I would love to see Omega keep up with the command, uh, the, demand. the demand. Yeah. Um, Let's see if they do fly. I mean, it's still dude, that's still a shit. It's still a shit ton of money. Le or not, limited edition or not, fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah, it's that's that's a lot of money, dude. But it's got all your trademark things you might like about the Speedy. It's got your professional hands. It's got your cock and balls over at twelve. You know, so like all that, all that yeah. stuff. Um, I don't, I don't know why they chose Fotina. That's just an odd choice um, to me, but I feel like a lot of Omega models for some reason have been coming out with it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it never really bothers me. I have like, you know, that CWC, it has the that, that color as well. Um, for me, it's like buying Fotina new Fenders, new Fender Strats or Telecasters yeah, or whatever the I, I fuck always, they're. I always kind of like those, the Relic series. I, you know, really? So. I'd rather just buy the thing and then have it fucking age as I use it. You, yeah. don't, buy, you don't buy Fotina bread. That's disgusting. Yeah, but the thing is, I, I'm not a touring musician, so it's never going to get that look. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> That's a good point. Oh, but yeah, man. it's 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 fucking fantastic. It's it's a beautiful watch, and I think it is a beautiful watch. Enjoy. I love that they have uh, an exhibition case back, so you can actually see, you know, the three twenty one. You can see the whole column wheel. You see the column wheel, there. yeah. It's it's great. It's, it's yeah. just super super expensive. It's super expensive, but I think in terms of what we have all been wanting to see with the announcement of the three twenty one caliber like reintroduction, this is hitting all the marks. Yeah. Um, also, it's I I'm not super crazy about no crown guard speedmasters. I might I might be in the minority there, but um, I love the asymmetry that you get on the professional mm-hmm. when the case kind of like morphs out to create these these crown guards. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like a Seiko ish approach. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, <clears throat> but if it's your thing, I don't have an opinion. 14- <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to to get skin in the game for this. And- I love Greg's uh, closing paragraph here. Can I read this? It's very short. Yeah, yeah. A hefty MSRP of over fourteen thousand one hundred after Swiss franc conversion puts the caliber three two one Moonwatch in a Daytona MSRP territory. However, the Daytona pairs with a tennis sweater, and the Moonwatch pairs with an EVA suit. You tell me who the real badass is. Dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, man. I had <laughs> So I get his point. It's still a shit ton of fucking money. <laughs> yeah. I will not be uh ditching my Speedmaster professional. Are you gonna be first in line banging on the doors of <laughs> Mega Boutique? Let me in! I need to get it before my friends. That's funny. I sent I sent that photo on Slack. Uh, I was <laughs> first I was, in line. <laughs> I was walking into work and uh yeah, the Omega Boutique is right there. It so. looks like you just rolled out of bed. Yeah, just fucking I, I really, I really did. <laughs> God damn, yeah, that's, that's a cool piece. That's a cool piece on the site. You got the this Omega right up. There's the Oris. I, I love the dial on that fucking Oris. It's um, beautiful. Uh, and then what? What else do we have? Greg's. Uh, Greg did this review of the uh, Rolex Explorer one four two seven zero. So I guess like the Explorer that was available in what the nineties. Yeah. Um, this thing is pretty pretty cool. There's a really fun story behind it, uh, personal to Greg, um, and everything like that. I won't spoil it. Go and check it out on the site. It's pretty. It's got some pretty cool photos on here. It's a pretty solid write up. I just think the story behind the watch and everything like that is. Is pretty cool, so definitely go and check that out. In addition to that, check out Jason Tricoli's write-up on the Seiko SARX055, the baby grand Seiko Snowflake, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the few Seikos where, yes, it's still pretty expensive, but you do get a shit ton of watch for the money. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's that yeah. sort of that started becoming like a dying breed <clears throat> in the Seiko Seiko world. You know, so is this thing titanium? Like the like the I, snowflake. I let me so. double check. Yep, it's titanium. This, this watch is titanium, also. That's 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 what Jason wrote. Unless you're a liar, oh. Jason. Are you a liar, Jason? <laughs> He's not a liar. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Damn. You know, it's easy to forget this watch is titanium and not stainless steel. Razor sharp transitions, satin brush surfaces surround the bezel. The finishing is so good. Yeah, I think this is a this is a dying breed in Seiko. 
Yeah, and it's a beautiful watch, but like the like the much like the snowflake itself, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I I admire from afar. Um, because I don't know about you, every time I put the the snowflake on, I'm just like the the just, I, I won't wear it. The <laughs> light the the lightness of the case of the snowflake, both the SBG A zero zero one and zero one one, whatever the fuck the numbers are, is mm-hmm. um, yeah. the lightness is really unnerving. It's like too light, but I know if I got that watch and just wore it for a bit, I would get used to that. Because mm. I feel like weight difference with watches is always something you have to adjust to, whether something's possibly too heavy or too light, X, Y, Z. So I think I could get used to it, but I do have the same feeling as you. Every time you pick it up for the first time, you're like, oh, fuck, that's light. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. This thing can't be real, you know? But I assure you, it is. So um, a lot of really fun stuff on the site. A lot of really fun stuff continuing to come up on the site. So do please um, you know, keep staying on there. Uh, let me see what else. <clears throat> I was going to talk about Instagram, but I'm looking at the time. Should we get to the main topic? And if, ti- and if there's time at the end, I'll talk about Instagram? We'll leave a quick little PSA at the end. Oh, uh, yeah. Qu- a quick little, quick little, just a, just a short, calm, even-tempered. <laughs> totally fair and balanced casual conversation around instagram yep and anger those two things uh but here let's do this affordable vintage watches part eight dealer's choice michael chose a category i chose a category we each chose three watches in our respective categories you chose um actual issued vintage military watches i chose kind of what i've dubbed before they were known um soviet vintage watches from soviet watch factories that whose names we all know now but before they had actually um earned those names uh i feel like i have been talking a lot do you want to go first do you want to start us off yeah i'm going to start off with kind of a, a pretty common um watch you can find them super easy on ebay i think that's that's part of the spirit of this segment is you can just do a deep dive into into ebay and just find Mm -hmm. just a ton of stuff um and the first one that i'm going to bring up is the is just like the standard non-branded um time only field watch uh there's not even like a fun name for them people just usually search for the stock and part number okay so it's either gg-w-w 113 or mil-w-46374 <laughs> so these these are the if you if you take a look at hamilton's crazy new popular watch the the khaki field so wait which brand is this so they were produced by hamilton they were produced by benris oh. they were produced by marathon it's not um, just like a brand these specs were given to different military watch contractors and they just made watches to those specs yeah, correct. So cool. like the the MIL spec, you know, there there are a couple of them. You know, it's just like this one sheet of paper, and you know, depending on who is producing at the time, they would take that spec and and just make them kind of like you know, kind of like Hamilton made you know the asymmetrical pilot chronographs. So did CWC. Um, yeah. You know, so did Newmark. Uh, so this is this is a military spec sheet that a couple of brands followed, but. They started. They started being issued uh, around the '60s, and just historically, they were pretty. Po- it's it's kind of easy to find, um, like Vietnam era 
field watches. So mm. it's essentially the the most basic, straightforward military field watch. Wow. Um, and you can get them on eBay for like I've seen between like two hundred to five hundred bucks. It's not bad. Yeah. For something that was like issued and actually has like pretty cool like uh, history around it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I think I think Galay made them also. Could be wrong but um what you have is essentially a sterile dial with the internal 24-hour scale um then you have the arabics uh just above that scale just for the the 12 hours um and yeah like i said if you if you like the look of the newer contemporary uh, hamilton khaki watches the khaki mechanical mm -hmm. that's kind of the look they were trying to achieve when they released that watch these are cool but it's it's hot and it's hard man one thing that i'll note about my list um i don't have any dive watches because like things get insanely expensive when you start looking at military dive watches i mean right. cw cwc's used to be like um used to be able to pick them up for under a thousand i was able to pick <sighs> one up for, for under a thousand it wasn't issued um but you could still do it now these days even the quartz ones are, are breaking like breaking a grand Jeez. used um especially if they're issued uh so no dive watches on on my list but i thought this was kind of um, a fun place to start I, I was happy i was happy to do the search again on ebay and still find them in the <laughs> same price range <laughs> excuse me are these things faked ever or are there like concerns so with Soviet watches, the really big concern is, is this Frankened. Is that a concern with these watches or not so much? Is, it, is there like a level of expectancy where it's like, yeah, these things were used, they were fixed ad hoc. It's not abnormal for this to be Franken XYZ. Like what's that experience look like if someone was really going to go for one? I don't think they're really faked. There's just so much variety that you really have to know what you're looking for. So these, oh, okay. these also come in plastic cases. Sometimes they have stainless steel cases. So I think Marathon made a version where it's all plastic. Or like, not the plastic, but the resin, resin Marathon yeah. uses. Resin's way sexier um, than plastic. Yeah. Um, so some have seven joule movements, some have 17 joule movements, some are quartz. Um, but they're all typically, I think, you know, the design is all the same. It's like around 37 millimeters. Wow. Um, you know, you wear it on nylon. So you have to know you have to know what you're looking for or as you start researching you'll eventually hone in on something that you might you know click with or or or, or connect with what would you go for what would i go for what would you go um for? i would try to find a marathon actually nice um i kind of i kind of miss my resin case uh marathon we, we gave it away uh but just because just because of those tubes I think at the time they, they probably made some with tritium tubes, mm. um, but I don't know for sure. Uh, actually, those would have been 90s. So still still vintage. It's hard for me to accept that 90s is vintage. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm wrong. No, I'm 20 not. years ago, man. Or yeah. techni technically 30 if you're talking early 90s. But yeah, I, I would probably try to scoop up a marathon. I would try to also find one with a quartz movement, um, you know, if I could. 
some of these uh they're all like hand wound mechanical movements and a lot of these watches were just made to like they were made to like use and throw away so th that's one thing to consider I, I don't think i don't think the mechanical movements in these things um are meant to like be opened up and serviced I, i'm sure some people have done it yeah but these these were really just about as bare bones as you can get so the, these companies it was just part of your kit man like right. you get it with your shirt and pants and like here's your fucking plastic watch yeah with a god knows what movement inside you know <laughs> it just tells you the time and that's all you needed to do but what, my question is so these companies you know they were given so hamilton marathon blah 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 whoever the hell's they were given the sheet of like you know the watch to make to the spec what about the movements are the movements being sourced from one same place or did each company like take the initiative and put one of their own movements in there or who fucking knows? i'm not sure so i know i know that one um there might have been dan clayton dan clayton are you listening ben you Riss, know? so so benris i i know probably put their own movements inside but it, okay. i don't don't quote me on that can we give dan clayton um, carte blanche to let us know if he knows the answer yeah, he might. Daniel, you're listening. Are you there? It's so <laughs> he lonely. Might. But this is this is. I mean, you can you can dive deep into this stuff, man. Yeah. And if you if you really like the look of, you know, just the military field watch, this is a really good place to, you know, add something to your collection and have a have a little bit of history in there too. Very cool. So I have a question before. So I, I, I'm assuming is it my turn now? Yeah. I have a question before I start. Are all your watches U.S. military watches or no? You don't have to get specific. You can just say, you can just say yes or no. Nope. Okay, nope. good. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, if they were, we could frame this as like a Cold War episode. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> okay, very cool. So, um, these are actually a lot of... Yeah, I'm, so GGW113, that's yours. That's actually pretty cool. Um, let me see. My first choice... <clears throat> so, with Soviet watches... Um, and when I say Soviet watches, I don't necessarily mean Russian watches, because not all Russian watches are Soviet watches. So as an example, Konstantin Chaikin, not yeah. Soviet watches, Russian watches. Um, but most of the current Russian watch brands that we're all familiar with started as Soviet watch brands. However, when they were Soviet watch brands, they were owned by the government. Uh, now that the Soviet Union is no longer around, uh, they're all basically privately owned and so the watch brands that we're all basically aware of that in russia that used to be soviet watch brands household names household names household names like uh vostok is probably the most uh, well-known one uh raketa is also another incredibly well-known one um also polyot or poljot polyot to an extent is known but not as well known just because they don't really have the same sort of widespread awareness and appeal as Riketa and, and Vostok, but using those three um, former Soviet watch factories as an example, I thought it would be interesting to kind of shed some history on each one of those each one of those factories and give some insight into you know what they were doing before uh, they became what we sort of know them as and kind of interesting models that came out of those you know uh, those factories yeah. and so being government owned a lot of soviet watch factories uh created pieces around huge soviet achievements because until the until the bolshevik revolution in 19 fuck 19 and 1921 the russians weren't doing shit 
They weren't even agriculturized. They weren't even industrialized. Not really. You know what I mean? Uh, the 1921 happened. Uh, they killed everyone, basically. Uh, communism happened, and then they industrialized very quickly, and they really wanted to flex and show the world, you know, look at all these things that communism and the Soviet Union is doing, X, Y, Z. So every time something cool happened that the Soviets did, boom, you know, they tried to commemorate the, the fuck out of it. So 1957, something really cool happened. Are you aware of this thing called Sputnik, Michael? Have you heard of Sputnik? <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> so, so, um, so uh, uh, the Soviets launched Sputnik, Sputnik, um, first uh, orbital satellite ever launched from Earth. It was a really, really big deal. And in true Soviet watch uh, fashion, you know, some brands took it upon themselves to uh, create a watch to sort of, you know, commemorate that first orbital satellite launched from. Uh, from Earth. So in 1957, at the time, a factory that was called uh, Kurovsky, which is named after like a hero from the Bolshevik Revolution. I should have looked it up before I jumped on here, but uh, I can't remember now. But basically, the factory was named uh, uh, Kirov something XYZ. Uh, they decided to make a watch called uh, Sputnik in commemoration of Sputnik. So here, I'm going to slack you this image, Michael, so you can see this thing. And then I can talk you through what we're looking at here. Are you on Slack? Yep, I am on Slack. So check this thing out. <clears throat> Let me know when it loads for you. Let's <clears throat> take a look together. Oh, USSR time. <clears throat> I see this. Wow. Cool. Very cool. Lugs. So this is this is so you've noticed the lugs first off the bat. So at the time this com this this watch factory was based in Moscow. Uh, it was called Kirovsky. Um, you know, when it first came out, it was called the first Moscow watch factory. So it was first Moscow watch factory, Kirovsky, and then eventually in the 60s, after the Russian space program really started taking off, it changed its name to Polyat or Sturmansky. It's kind of interchangeable at that point, but most folks just call it Polyat. So when you say Polyat, you're talking about the first Moscow watch factory. However, before it was Polyat, it was Kirovsky. And at the time, Kirovsky was really well known for this case. It's called the Crab. Or we call it the crab. I don't know what the fuck. They, there's probably like a way sexier Russian name for it back then, but um, it's called the Kurovsky crab case. It has these lugs. It looks like some sort of aquatic fucking crustacean, I guess. Um, but the Sputnik is actually really, really cool for 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 two for two reasons. <clears throat> there is actually a lot of really interesting graphic design elements that are happening here. So if you look at the watch, Michael, you see the you see the globe on it with longitude and latitude. I do. You see the red line going around the globe? Mm hmm Do you see the little red dot on the second hand? Yep. That's so Sputnik. That's Sputnik. Going oh, around the globe. Cool. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. It's um um it's a little unusual for, for Poliot to get um sort of graphically inclined, graphic design inclined like this. Usually that was uh eventually that became um, Raketa, but you know, clearly they had a lot of fun with this to commemorate the launching of Sputnik and everything like that. So, and is is this a case where um, the dial faded a bit, or is the motherland meant to be in brighter red than everything else? I'm sure it's faded after time. I mean, it's 70 years old or 80 years yeah. old. Uh, as I say, yes, like 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 70 ish years old. So I'm sure there's some fading. Because I see this like these these little like hazy traces of a full world map. 
Yeah. It's probably, I mean, Mother Russia was probably meant to be a bit brighter. I'm sure yeah. there are examples where there's not so much fading, but I like this watch just because... Oh my God, the, some of the hour indices are like little rockets. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It's, it's a very fun watch. It's unusually like fun for something to come out of first Moscow watch factory. You know what I mean? Um, I like this watch also because uh, it's actually really easy to find authentic ones um there are a lot of fakes out there this is probably on the higher end of the spectrum of what you'd look for if you wanted to find something that was russian neurology but also kind of kitschy in like a non-derogatory way just with the little rockets and the actual like 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 sputnik thing going on Mm -hmm. The ways in which you can identify if you have a real one or or not is you want to ensure the, the, the first Moscow Watch Factory stamps are actually on the, the movement. Um, for me, that's always a, a case, the, the case where, you know, this is something that is older. Later on, the first Moscow Watch Factory, uh, later on in like the 70s and 80s, they didn't stamp things as much, but in like the 50s and 60s and, 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 and early 70s, they stamped, you know, the factories stamped everything. So in this case, you should see the first Moscow Watch Factory logo on the main spanning bridge plate that starts from 12 o'clock and goes down to like the six-ish area. Um, it basically, they put the logo stamps in like a diamond sort of shape. Uh, do you see that? on the mm -hmm. link I sent you. So the first Moscow watch factory, it looks like a, a it, I'm sure these are Russian characters, guys. Just to clarify, I do not know fucking Russian. I don't know how to read Cyrillic, but it looks like a one, an M, a four, and a three. Yeah, you, that's you, what I'm seeing too. Yeah, so you want to make sure uh, it has, it has that because the thing is, if I'm looking for an actual Sputnik piece, I want it to be as least frankened as possible because I want it to be in the true spirit of like the 1957 release or at least as close to that true spirit uh, as possible. You know what I mean? Huge point of pride for the folks when it came out. The other really interesting thing is, okay, so that link I sent to you, the USSR time link, um, can you scroll to the second photo where it's focusing on the top part of the globe? Yeah. So here... There's two things that are really interesting. Do you see the longitude and latitude lines where they meet at the very kind of like top there? You see how they're kind of not connected? Yeah. In fake versions of that watch, they're all connected. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's one of those cases where the authentic version of the watch is like weirdly not as finessed as the fake versions because Russian urology, a lot of the stuff, they were still just doing it by hand and, and winging it. You know what I mean? Kind of like how you can tell real Paul Yacht, real Paul Yacht Loom because it looks fucking horrible. You know? So there's another thing I'm going to circle here. I found a really great watch you see uh, post about this, and I can share this as well. I'm slacking this to you right now, bro. Do you see on that image I just slacked to you those little islands? Oh, yeah. On modern versions, uh, for some reason, those aren't there. They just didn't. I don't. I don't know if the map they copied just didn't include them. Uh, just for reference, apparently uh, those are the Severnaya Zemlya Islands. Island. It's not there. Me. 
On the fake ones, I don't know. On the fake ones, it's not there. Um, on the real ones, it is there. So if you did want to look for this piece, um, I would encourage you to do it. It's really a lot of fun. It's a cool kind of part of, 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 of uh, you know Soviet watch history. A little on the on the more expensive side, but it's one of those things where it's 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 pretty cool. I I, I definitely dig it. So that was uh, that was my choice, you know, for for the, the first one here. So yeah. When the when when Polyot made this, it wasn't Polyot; it was Kirovsky, and you know, and then obviously became Polyot in like I don't know sixty one or sixty seven, something like that. So that's my choice. That's my first choice. That's that's pretty off the beaten path. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun one. I think people yeah. see it a lot, but most of the ones you see will be fake. But if you just look for those things I pointed out, the longitude latitude lines, look for that little island. Make sure Sputnik is actually on the second hand. You'll be okay. Nice. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Ah, cool. My turn. My Let's second see. one. My second one will not be that long-winded. I promise. <laughs> I, I'm also happy to see that at the footer of this page it says 2019 Mark Gordon. I like to think that somebody updated that last year. <laughs> well, someone is so so so. Um, if you guys aren't aware, Mark Gordon uh, was one of the most prolific Soviet watch collectors. Um, out there there are other ones michelle cuculio whose name i can't ever pronounce properly he's in italy but uh mark gordon was probably the most well-known he unfortunately passed away and his original website um no one was paying any of the server fees or any of that shit so the website initially went down the current iteration of ussrtime.info which exists now was put together by um the Soviet watch community in the watch you see forums, it's not the complete collection. You can't search it the same way, but um, they're doing incredible work by just preserving a lot of this, a lot of this knowledge. Nice. Yeah. So you asked me about, um, you know, my watches being like U.S. Armed Forces. Uh, so the one that I'm going to bring up now is essentially uh, most famously known as the. British counterpart to the watch that uh, I mentioned before. Okay, cool. Uh, so it's the um, it's specifically the CWC G10 uh, General Service Watch, um, and this is just another world that you can dive into on eBay uh, for not that much money. So um, you can find them from like the 80s and the 90s where uh, these were actually issued at the time and then you know which which model is sold cwc g10 oh shit that's right yeah okay yeah you can find it as the cwc g10 or the cwc w10 uh in some instances uh these were all quartz um sometimes again brands like hamilton uh built them as well on spec uh, and they were in some cases mechanical. Those examples are way more expensive, well over a thousand in some cases. But these quartz CWC G10s um, just kind of consistently hover between 150 bucks and 250 bucks. Oh wow, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. And CWC makes a modern day reproduction with a Luminova dial, but you can find old again if. One of one of those things that you look for if you're collecting vintage military is that circle T dial. Yep. Um, from a lot of brands, so you can actually, you can you can still get that from from CWC these these old examples. Um, is actually, the circle T supposed to be tritium? Yep. Cool. Yeah. 
So I'm just actually looking at a really like crazy example. There's there's a variation called the Fat Boy G10. Um, I guess the case is just a little rounder. Uh, and this is crazy clean example. Um, it's up for sale. This is probably the highest end I've ever seen, but 587. Um, mm. Not cheap, but this this version is super super collectible. Uh, fixed spring bars like a lot of military watches oh. these are also around 30 37 millimeters uh, so and you can only put like a NATO on this or like a single pad or like a some kind of like pass-through strap you can't put like leather strap yeah like a two-piece strap some on. some people some people make straps that like are leather but they open up at the at the lugs okay um, <clears throat> so you can you, there are ways to get around that um, but yeah, this is just traditionally worn on on nylon, and they look they look fucking good, man. And it's it's quartz, so you're not gonna worry about I don't know a rat's nest inside of the movement. Um, some of them, unfortunately, like batteries have exploded inside, so oh, yeah. they're they're no good. But uh, you know, people people collect these, and um, you know, it's a really good low cost way of getting into. Uh, British military watches. I think it's actually the best way. Uh, what was like the span for... year of production? Was it like a huge, like, like for decades? Yeah, yeah, it's it's decades. So nice. definitely, I, I I believe probably started early '80s all through the '90s, and you know CWC changed hands. Uh, they're owned by Silverman's now, and you know CWC makes uh, several modern reproductions of these watches today. So. They make them with, you know, like, de they call it like a, a desert storm sand dial. They make one with a green dial. Huh. Uh, so CWC today is making a lot of different different versions. They just came out with a sub hunter, which is a white dial and a broad arrow. I think that's kind of like, that's more of a modern take on the watch. Um, but yeah, you can actually, and at the CWC at times, they'll they'll find um they'll find really good examples mm -hmm. either in the vault or sometimes repurchase them and then sell them back so cwc on their page will sometimes sell really really good examples of the g10 actual think, tritium dials do you think when watch brands like go to the quote-unquote vault to find old like dials and Things like that. Do you think it's actually evolved? Do you think it's just like 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 a table where someone's resting their drinks on? You know what I mean? <laughs> They're vaults, man. I, one kind of famously photographed vault is um, one of the vaults with the tools at AP. So like mm. AP is still using tools from like the 1800s Eesh. because those are the only tools that do that specific job, and wow. they have. A bunch of movements that they keep in boxes and stock so they can reference it um, if they have to rebuild parts and things like that so and that thing the photos that I've seen it, it looks like a vault Wow um, another photographed think... vault was uh, Vacheron I think oh, okay um, it was like a, it looked more of like a bank safe thing <laughs> what do you think they're gonna find in the TBWS vault in like 10 years shattered dreams and uh... <laughs> Lucky charm crumbs. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a skeleton of me clutching a box of lucky charms. I didn't even have the strength to finish it. It's just half eaten and I just died. But like, what did he die of? He had cereal. 
you didn't open the box right you did like you opened it from the side <laughs> like, you, you didn't i didn't use know. the top tabs it was dark i didn't know uh but this this i would say this is probably a, a more low risk way of getting into yeah, something that. vintage that's military uh probably not as finicky as the the u.s versions with mechanical movements um and you know cwc is one of my favorite brands so mm. had had to bring it up very cool very cool choice let's see here is it mago let's do it let's do it let me send you i'm sending you another link just so you have reference for what the fuck i'm talking about <clears throat> let me know when you got that i guess I, sh- I guess i should have been sending you links but uh, oh the only reason i'm doing it is just because fine. like um because I'm, I'm like referencing like super like specific stuff within some of these Soviet watch models so this thing is not like anything i've seen before also <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is a lot of fun definitely so. not part of the greatest hits no 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 so well, <laughs> uh, well this not the specific model but this brand this brand is called pobeta pobeta um Probably should have fucking checked this out. This is another Soviet watch brand. Pobeda. And so wait, how how much could you get the first one though? How much would you pay for that example? Did you mention that? You it's a, it's a it's it's a bit I did. It's a bit higher on the Soviet watch spectrum, but honestly, if you can find them for like a hundred or hundred and fifty bucks, if it's a proper okay. authentic one, you're in good shape. Cool. You know? Uh let me see here. Yep, that's what it is. So Pobeta Pobeta is a watch brand within Soviet watches. So this is a bit unusual and this is something that's kind of indicative of the unique relationship between the USSR government and its Soviet watch factories. Pobeta wasn't secluded to one specific watch uh factory. These days when you start doing searches this is some modern Russian propaganda for you. Uh, and if you guys are listening, I'm sorry. Raketa says that they own and have always owned Pobeta. That is not true. Um, Pobeta, they just own Pobeta now because they bought it. You know what I mean? But then that wasn't always the case. Pobetas were made by several different watch factories. Um, I think technically the second Moscow slash, slash even maybe even the Kistopol watch factory, which I'll talk about in a second. That's a funny relationship. Uh, first Moscow watch factory and a watch factory in St. Petersburg called Petro. I'm gonna fuck this up. Petrovoretz. Can't ever okay. say it. But what you need to know is that Petrovoretz before it was, uh, Petrovoretz is what it was called before it was called what we all know it as, which is Raketa. So uh, for this instance here, I want to kind of highlight uh, some Pobeta watches that were made in the Petrovoretz factory before Petrovoret got its name Raketa. Raketa means rocket in Russian, and basically Raketa was called the watch factory was called Raketa in commemoration of the you know uh, Russian space program i think technically this might have been because of the vostok one even though vostok was called vostok because of vostok one but i need to i'm just reading really quick uh yeah around the same time so so uh 1961 year gagarin went up in the vostok one which is basically a washing machine with bottle rockets on it vostok the watch factory Vostok took the name Vostok, but in the spirit of, you know, space travel and rockets and all that shit, Piet Petrovoretz became the Raketo watch factory. 
But before it was Raketa, they were making um, Pabetas, they were making Zvestas, which are based, I believe, off of lip movements, um, which were coming out of the deal that the Pencil Watch Factory had made with the French-owned lip. But what's really cool is if you wanted to own a piece of Raketa history before it was even fucking Raketa, you can hunt down Pabetas made at the Petrovorus Watch Factory simply by looking for the <laughs> Petrovorus Watch Factory stamp or um, logo. So all these watch factories had different stamps. The first Moscow watch factory slash Kirovsky slash Polyot, which I talked about before, had the 1M43. So if you look at this one, Mike, do you see on the dial at the very bottom where it looks like an N, a four and a three? Yeah. That's the logo slash stamp for the Petrovoritz watch factory before it was called uh, Raketa. When it, when, it was, when it was called Raketa, they adopted like a little stylistic uh, uh, logo. But before that, it was that, you know, those three characters. You can see it a bit on the example I shared with you in that diamond shape on the uh -huh. movement um, as well. Uh, and it's not as clear. Uh, it's not as clear. You can actually, on the mainspring barrel in that movement as well, you can see the three stars and you can see Pobeta. Um, but if you want to find a Petrovoretz slash pre-Raketa version of a Pobeta, you gotta look for that uh, dial. You gotta look for that logo. Not always. It's not always on the dial, but if you can find it on the dial and on the uh, movement, cool. But more likely than not, you're gonna see it on the on the movement. So, and I'll share photos in the show notes so you guys can um, can see these as well this specific model that i share with you it's not that well known i personally think it's very cool i've never really seen it um in good mm. condition but i would like to get it one day uh but what's most noteworthy about this is that it was made by petrovoretz uh before it was called you know uh, raketa in uh oh what year was this it was pre-raketa this was pre-1961 the 19 well, let's I can find out for you right now, actually. Is this is this considered a, a pretty clean example? It's a good one. It's wow. a good one. That particular one's really cool, though, huh? Yeah, it is. I'd love to find that. <laughs> I would love to find that. Let me see here. I'm just gonna. I'm just looking for a year for you guys. It was definitely the '50s. I just want to figure out. Yeah. Okay. So mid '50s. Mid '50s. Uh, Pobeta means victory. It was started uh, to commemorate the uh, victory of, uh, of Russia during World War II. Although I don't know if I necessarily call it a victory. A lot of Russians died, <laughs> but uh, but they won. Hey, we won. <laughs> On paper, we won. Uh, but a lot of people died. But yeah, so Pobeta means victory, and so it's actually so Pobeta as a watch brand is was super widespread at the time. Like a lot of kids had them, a lot of people had them. It was very much like the every person's watch. Because they were available everywhere. Because, like I said, multiple watch factories in t across the entire, um, like, uh, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, developed, uh, you know, Russian country, you know, have, there was a watch factory near there, so they're easily available. They were affordable, and they're also a point of pride. Hey, we won World War II, blah, blah, blah. So um, these are really, really cool. But if you wanted to find a piece of Raketa watch history before it was Raketa, hunt down one of these Petrovoret specific. Uh, Pabetas with all the dial markers and the, and the, and the, and uh, with the factory stamp on there and everything like that. Sweet deal. Cool. Was that was that? And he said, and he said under a hundred, you can find these. Oh God, cheaper. You could probably. I mean, I mean, realistically for um, for for, for Pabetas, <laughs> four dollars. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe like thirty or forty bucks. Yeah. 
if you hunt, find a fun one. It's it's just a really cool talking piece because with one watch you can talk about Raketa, you can talk about Pabetta, you can talk about you know World War Two like Soviet uh, Kish kind of stuff. You know what I mean? If you are a Slavophile, you know like I am. So um, really, really, really cool. Uh, in terms of vintage watches, you get a lot of really fun stuff out of your watch. And if you're a movement geek, you can talk about the Pabetta the Pabetta two six zero two movement that is in here. Um, Definitely a quote unquote workhorse movement. Can we make that one of our band words? Band workhorse. Words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing how a movement is a workhorse movement. All right. Yeah, I'm not- I'm like against making horses work to begin with. So like, it's just it's just not vegan of me, bro. <laughs> You're that guys. We got the orological vegans. No more animal slave terminology. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> Man, but yeah, that's my second pick. Thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, so before Raketa was Raketa, they were making pabettas, and uh, and before they were making pabettas, they were making jewel like jewel bearing movements, and before that, they were making precision movements. Raketa has actually been a factory since the 1700s. It's the oldest factory, oldest operating factory in Russia. Um, yeah. The only times it wasn't operating is when the Germans burned it down during World War II, but then they rebuilt it, started making watches, and eventually became Raketa badass yeah that was that was coherent right that wasn't too crazy that was coherent this has all been coherent okay i'm never sure we've been we've been in worse shape (laughs) you guys know about just four hours of me slurring my words at least i'm not drunk kaz i think this is probably the episode where i was very smart and not being drunk kaz i gotta revisit your your um your bachelor party episode oh my god i gotta re you just like just came back from dinner (laughs) oh i'm gonna listen to that today (laughs) that's a that's a great little piece of tvws history mark that that was yeah mark one of the guys in my wedding party he took me out for dinner got me incredibly drunk and just dropped me off home just (laughs) in time recorded an episode for me to record an episode (laughs) yeah the funny thing about mark the guy this is just like half of that (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) it's your your turn it's your turn I slacked you. I slacked you a pretty basic bare bones page about my my last pick. Okay, I um, see. I'm because now. it's Ooh. kind of it's kind of common, but it's not. We've talked um, about this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I realized that I said that there were no dive watches. But <sighs> some people call this. I, I I think this was intended to be a dive watch. It's got a bezel. Uh, you know, pilots used it too. It doesn't have an elapsed time bezel, but I guess it was issued. Oh, it's a twelve hour time. bezel. You're right. Yeah, so um, a lot of people know about the Benrus Type 1 and Type 2 asymmetrical, you know, pilot slash dive watch. Uh, they're pretty popular. Um, MK2 makes a version today called the Paradive. They're super popular. Yep. Um, the Benrus Type 1 and 2, I think they both have Type A and Type B dials. And then I think there's another version that either didn't have tritium because this was issued in some environments where uh, the tritium present in watches could set off um sensors that would detect for that kind of radiation wow. so okay there are, there are a lot of different versions of the these benders type one and type two the one that i'm and by the way they're like they hover between like 1500 and sometimes over two thousand dollars um 
The version that I'm showing you is uh, a quartz version that was produced under contract by Marathon okay. uh, in Canada. So these were um, steel case versions that were issued to the Canadian Armed Forces and the U.S. Air Force in some instances. Um, sometimes you'll find uh, cases that are stamped Galay. Uh, so I think they also made these uh, on contract. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Marathon ones are, are pretty pretty common and you can get them for under a thousand. I think there's one on eBay now for around 700 bucks. Uh, which is not cheap, but it's not the price that you're paying for, um, you know, the Benris Type 1 and 2, which are still in circulation today. Um, so if you if you think about the resin version of the watch that, uh, you know, I got rid of, um, this is basically a quartz stainless steel iteration. And wow. it's just super cool. And I don't really think that they're going to be at this price range. <laughs> for for a while and uh adenac which is just it's not a brand it's just some, something they stamped on the dial it's just, it's canada, just canada backwards it's just canada backwards right yeah that's, canada that's, that's backwards. What I thought. um this little this little page that i i sent you on uh from broadarrow.net <laughs> i think there's a paragraph here it's like people just think it's a joke <laughs> like somebody was just like hey it'd be funny and then they did it <laughs> And so, uh, but this is this is a cool again a cool piece of history. Uh, if you're really into the you know the asymmetry of the Type One and the Type Two, and then what MK Two is producing today with the Paradive, um, if you like the, the <sighs> modern resin case version, but you wanted something in stainless steel, you can get this, but you're going to be paying, you know, probably close to a thousand so still under a thousand but pretty damn close uh for a quartz watch and I know some people are pretty like they get upset about that it's a cool piece though what i mean just aesthetically speaking i don't know why i love how bold this bezel is yeah yeah right? and, that's, and that's something that's something that mk2 captured really really well in his in his modern like paradigm Hmm. And he, I think he knew how how bold that design was, and so with his modern version, uh, it's not quartz. But you can get, I think you can get an acrylic bezel. I think you can get a ceramic bezel. That's Bill over at MK2. You mean right? Yeah. Mortal Kombat two. Mortal Kombat two. <laughs> Best fatalities. Every time I hear MK2, I just think Mortal Kombat two. I never know what to say. Mark two, whatever. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my my third pick because I, I was looking for <clears throat> I was looking for those type one and type twos and I guess I guess it had been years before I like, since I shopped for one shopped for one I never bought one but you know <laughs> I, I'd always kind of casually look and I'm like oh these things are like five hundred bucks and it's like no it's it just occurred too, to me maybe it thin. says maybe that maybe the Adenac maybe it says Canada backwards on the watch so when someone wearing this watch is chasing you you can see that they're Canadian in your review mirror. <laughs> like with like with ambulances like 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 first of all i don't understand why ambulances have to say ambulance backwards if there's an ambulance behind you you fucking know it's ambulance okay um i'd be interested to find that in the spec sheet but <laughs> when chasing prey when chasing prey please ensure dial is visible and and praise we <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is a cool one though i um you know what's funny 
about these hands i feel like these hands i seen a lot of micro brand pieces now is this like you think this watch was the inspiration for these like kind of bold bar hands i feel like i used to see them on a lot of um old uh not benrus but benaris like when it was ralph and steve Lawland, like all benaris pieces do you know what i'm talking about yeah it's possible you know these it's kind of like a variation of you know the the sword hands as well mm -hmm. um just not french or british <laughs> these things aren't faked or franken right they're just I'm hard sure. to find uh they might be they might be oh. franken yeah fuck that yeah so do some research i think broadarrow.net is a good good resource uh we'll, we'll link to that in the description broadarrow.net i don't want to alarm you guys but you should probably uh turn on your ssl security and get your site over on https just throwing it out there guys because I'm getting a Chrome alert from you. <laughs> you, guys, you guys should fire your SEO and hire me. Definitely don't. I, 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 it's probably just like a person. I am, I, I'm also not familiar with BroadArrow.net, so if I'm sounding like an asshole right now, you guys can tell me. Like a lot of these things, it's probably just one dude. It's just a guy. It's just a guy just doing guy. things in his, in his free time between you know being a person and living in existence. Yeah. Very cool. My turn? Yeah, what's your what's your final final pick? This is quirky, all right. Not not gorky, quirky. Just wanted that emphasize. It's a Soviet joke. Uh, let me say, let's, let's meet a gorky part. Way over you, my head. Sending you a link. <laughs> let me know when you got that in front of you. Oh, this is USSR time day. Yeah, all these are from USSR time. It's just it's just the easiest reference I can get for um for like sharing visual, the visual stuff. Holy cow. Got it. A lot going on here. This is very cool. This These watch. Birds? What's up? These birds in the sky. There's birds in the sky. There's uh, the, there's like there's Chinese writing on here. This watch is very very cool. This watch is from 1954. Oof, almost fucked that up. Uh, it's, it's probably 1954. Uh, it's not 54. It's from 1954. It is called the. I am gonna fuck this up. Druzba. Drujba, D-U-R-J-B-A. Listen, all you guys need to know is that that word means friendship. This watch was made in commemoration of the friendship that was fostering between USSR, USSR when it was very prosperous in the 50s and China when it had just adopted um, communism post-1949. So um, the People's Republic won their fight, their civil war, 1949, and they faced a very similar issue to what uh, Russia was facing when communism won out over there in that we have a very unindustrialized, uh, un-sort of unified you know, uh, nation. You know, we're technologically behind, we're industrially behind, blah, 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 all these things. Um, you know, what can we do? And so the Soviets were kind of similar to what they were trying to do in Cuba, um, trying to like, you know, uh, get a foothold sort of in the West with Cuba and doing all that stuff. Obviously, it didn't really work over there. Uh, in China, I guess it technically didn't work because <clears throat> China's China now. But uh, they were really trying to spread uh, technology, you know, practices, justification practices, all that stuff. And so what they would do is every now and then do what they would do these um, big exhibitions. The Soviets would go to China, do these big exhibitions and show off a lot of... Um, made in soviet union stuff you know a lot of soviet union technology like look look what we're able to do look what you can possibly do xyz and so one of those um or the first exhibition ever so this is the name of it 
I have to write it down because I've never fucking heard of it until I researched and learned about this watch a while back. In 1954, what had occurred was the first exhibition of economic and cultural achievements of the USSR. It took place in Beijing. And it took place for the benefit of the kind of burgeoning uh, uh, communist government in China to show them, give them an example of you know what they can do what they can live up to in an effort to sort of commemorate that movement because again russian watch factories or soviet watch factories at the time were all owned by the government um one watch factory in particular which has one of the coolest fucking histories of any soviet watch uh, watch factory one fact watch factory in particular took it upon themselves to create a watch called friendship in commemoration of this relationship between the um, pretty well-established USSR. I mean, at this point, the USSR had been doing its thing for about 30 years, and this was like a really, really good time for them to commemorate the friendship between the USSR and China, who had only really been communist at the time for like three or four years, just getting their shit together. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, created this watch called the Friendship. So as you can see here, Michael, it's, I don't know, I don't, okay, so it, I'm as knowledgeable about the Chinese language as I am about the Russian language, okay? So if you look at this watch, you know, it has um, has like the Chinese characters here, like the numbers going around the dial. It also has this really cool two-tone effect, you know what I mean, where the outside's darker, the inside's a bit lighter. You see that? Yeah. Does the K-shape look familiar to you, or at least somewhat reminiscent of something you've seen before? I think like some coins. It's like, it's like some coins. So the... This is actually from uh, the Vostok watch factory before it was called Vostok. Um, mm -hmm. This K shape is very reminiscent of what we see in some uh, commander skis. Uh, okay. Some quirky commander skis, um, even some modern ones, I guess, that the Kistapol folks are still putting out there today. But uh, this is before they were Vostok. This is 1954. Vostok didn't become Vostok until 1961 when Yergagarn went up on that washing machine. So at this time, they were just called the Kistapol watch factory. Um, I love the Kisipo Watch Factory. I love the Vostok Watch Factory. It has the most fascinating fucking history. They started as the second Moscow Watch Factory. They had to upsticks and book it when the Nazis invaded. They had a whole fucking mess of a time going down this fucking river in the winter to try and get to the right town. It was hilarious. It was a very... No, no, hilarious. I mean, I'm saying that like, like it's fucking mm -hmm. Gilligan's journey. It was fucking tumultuous, all right? Um, there's a really fun write-up on the site that I did talking about the history of the Vostok Watch Factory. Go and check it out. It's really cool. It's got maps and you know, shit like that. Um, but basically, in 1954, they were pretty well-established you know, in Kistapol Watch Factory area. They were really well-known at the time for making, this is before Vostok, for making a watch called the Kama, K-A-M-A, -A, which is the name of the river that the Kistapol Watch Factory was next to. The Kama was really cool because it had this super reliable movement in there, and that's the same movement in this... Uh, in this friendship watch, uh, it's the it's the two six zero four. I forgot to write it down, but my memory is two six zero four. That's the same movement that's in the Kama. Kama was really cool because it was a pretty strong watch. It was dust proof, which is a pretty big deal for them at the time. It was fairly shock resistant, you know, um, for those folks at the time. So there's a lot written up about the two six zero four movement. There's not that much written up about this actual friendship watch. This Druz, Druzba, Druzba. If anyone knows Russian, please tell me how to say friendship in Russian so I know how to say this name. You guys corrected me with my Polyot pronunciation. I appreciate that. If anyone can help me with Drizba, Drizba, I appreciate that. If I have any, if there's any Drizba in the TBWS family, now is the time to utilize it, guys. All right. 
But, um, but I like this watch a lot. You don't see it. People don't necessarily consider this a Vostok piece, but for me it is just because it's built off the success of a lot of technology that had occurred in the Kama with the uh, the KAMA watch with the 2604 movement, which ended up being a precursor to the first uh, uh, commander skis that were coming out in 1965. They were building off of the 22-24 uh, caliber line, which eventually led to the Vostok amphibian um, and you know the contract with the U uh, with the USSR Ministry of Defense and all that fun stuff. So for me, this is a really cool part of um, Vostok watch history, also just Soviet watch history. And if you're like a communist uh, history aficionado, it's a cool watch just because it's it represents a time when the USSR was really trying to spread communism and all this stuff like that. I just want to also preface this. I am not saying any of this stuff with like a political agenda or whatever. I'm just talking about some fucking watches here, okay? So before I start getting a bunch of angry emails, I should probably clarify that, right, Michael? Yeah, yeah. You I didn't know anything. Of, yeah, I didn't know anything about communism, so I started learning about watches. Let me just preface <laughs> that: it wasn't communism first, and then watches. It was watches, and then just general knowledge about the USSR because it fits into my watch geekery. All right. Very happy to be you. very happy we to be understand. American. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, church bells. Hear church bells? I hear the church bells. There it is. Right on time. It's noon. It's noon over here. Um, but yeah, this watch is really, really cool. Um, in the most examples, you will find the loom scraped off. That's okay. Uh, a lot of the people that are getting the... A lot of people that are selling these watches now, they scraped the loom off because the looms look fucking terrible. Um, so if you are looking for this watch and you find it and it doesn't have loom on the hands, it's for me that's fine. That's not a big deal. Excuse me. Um, what you do want to watch out for is that you want to make sure the dial actually has that two-tone effect where the center interior circle is a lighter color and the exterior circle, which is uh, a darker color. On a lot of faked watches, you won't have that. So. Um, that's sort of my little like tidbit about what to look for. Um, otherwise, in terms of a price point, <sighs> probably pretty similar to the uh, Kurovsky Sputnik watch I talked about initially from 1957, where it's a bit higher on the Soviet watch spectrum, but if you can find a good, clean example that's authentic and looks good for between like 100 200 bucks, you're in pretty good shape. Sweet. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's my third pick, so... Before Vostok was Vostok, it was the Kistapol watch factory. They were really well known for doing that Kama watch. And then during that time, you know, Russia was reaching out and helping China with its whole communist thing. And Kistapol watch factory made this watch to commemorate that burgeoning relationship between the two, uh, two communist powers. I'm a fan of all of these. I think was, we got some good picks. Was that coherent? Did I, did I, did I, at any point, did I start like rambling or drooling? I don't think so. Okay, good. I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid. So you know what's funny? We make we make the joke about the illogical neckbeard so much, and I think I make so many jokes about him because I'm afraid that I am him. Are you becoming him? I'm afraid I am. Like you're just you're gonna find like chicken tenders under my armpits one day. You're like, what are you doing? It's like oh, I'm saving for later. It's like oh okay, <laughs> saving for later, man. That's my fear. You know. You still hear the bells? I do. They're like ten minutes long. Jeez. But yeah, so that's my third pick. Um... I think that's it. We're actually a little over on time, I think. Yeah, we should probably recap pretty quick <laughs> so this episode does not become a shit show to edit. 
Okay, so um, here, let's do this. Really hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode, part eight of the Two Bulk Watch Knobs reoccurring fantastic fucking segment. I love this segment so much. Uh, affordable vintage watches, dealer's choice. Michael, you chose three really, really cool pieces just to recap yours. All of yours were, uh, you know, issued military vintage watch pieces that you can still find today of like varying prices. So you talked about the CWC G10, which you can find for what, like a hundred bucks, he said? Under a hundred-ish? Around a hundred-ish? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There was also the GGW113, which was your first pick, but that's probably more around the two or five hundred dollar area. Um, yeah. Which was, you know, uh, like that, that was for the U.S. The GGW, the GGW one one three. So like Hamilton, Benris, uh, Marathon, those types of folks made that watch. And then the ad, uh, that that Adenac, Adenac, Gattaca, the Adenac piece, really, really cool. Um, that's probably on the higher end. You said closer to a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. Just, Mark. just shy of a thousand. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, my three choices, super, super cool. I chose, I gotta, I gotta remember. I chose the Kirovsky Sputnik, which was Polyat before it was Polyat. And also I should have referenced this again, even though you guys already know. Uh, my choices were, you know, before they were well known. So this is Polyat before it was Polyat. The Sputnik uh, out of Kirovsky, Kirovsky in 1957 to commemorate Sputnik. And I guess technically like the start of the Cold War. Because the Cold War, I guess you could sort of, because that triggered the space race. Right? Yep. Basically, I don't know. Fuck, I don't fucking know. Uh, after that, my second choice was the uh, oh yeah, of the <laughs> uh, uh, specifically Petrovoretz Pabetta, which eventually became Raketa. Petrovoretz became Raketa. Pabetta was made by a whole bunch of watch factories, but you can find a really cool uh, Petrovoretz uh, 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 Pabetta if you look for that logo, the one for no, no, the it's just the N four three N without the tail on it. Listen, there'll be pictures. It's fine. And then my third choice was this Kissapol watch factory, Druzba, Druzba. Listen, someone's got to fucking tell me how to say this word so I don't sound like a fucking psychopath. Druzba friendship watch. Uh, really, really cool. Built at a time where Kissapol watch factory was famous for making this comma piece, which had that super reliable 2604 caliber in it. The Druzba was made to commemorate the burgeoning friendship between uh, newly communist China and, you know, very well-established communist you know, Russia, Soviet, USSR at that point. Really, really cool piece. I think th those three pieces, with the exception of the Pabetta, you don't really see the Sputnik and the Drispa friendship too much in uh, USSR watch circles. So um, those are our three picks. Uh, in addition to that, go and check out the website. A lot of really cool stuff on there. Check out Greg Bedrosian's write-up on the Rolex 14270. Oh, also the write-up on the new Steel Omega Speed Master with the 321 caliber. Uh, huge shout-out to Henry... Our new uh, TBW contributor, he did that Oris press release piece for that lake that they're burning down or whatever. Um, really solid wrist check. I think that's about it, right? Just to clarify, they're not burning down the lake, guys. I'm just, I'm losing my mind over here. So it's, I think it's the fine. lake is still there. <laughs> It'd be hard to make the watch without the lake. He's going to burn down the lake and make the watch. Fine. <laughs> is there anything that I'm missing? <clears throat> I think that was a fun show. I'm happy that we got to do this segment again. It's fun. It's a good segment. Let us know your thoughts on our picks. If you have any thoughts on any cool picks that fit either my or Mike's uh, sort of, you know, um, segments, definitely let us know. Also, huge shout out, really quick, Mike, I'm going to go. Huge shout out to Watch Trollop. Uh, Watch Trollop, you and I were talking. I just wanted to let everyone know, based off of last week's episode, where we talked about celebrity watches. We intentionally did not talk about John Mayer. We all know he's a watch collector. I didn't know. God damn it, Michael. God damn it. I'm trying Thanks to make a... for that. 
trying to make a point. We just got a lot of emails, people saying like, oh, you guys talk about John Mayer. John Mayer likes watches. I heard he's the tinkerer. That's pretty surprising. <laughs> thanks for sending that info in, guys. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> We're just gonna get more emails now. But yeah, huge shout out to Watch Trial Up. He and I are talking. Totally cool. Totally get it. Um, anything else? Uh, I think that's it. Fun okay. show. It's that time. That sad time. You wanna you wanna round us out? And I'll I'll close the door. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike. And this is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Broke Watch Snobs. Later. Mm-hmm.